What's happening, fam? It's your boy Sherrod, and welcome to another podcast episode of Behind the Grind, powered by Sherrod Speaks, where each episode I have a conversation. I go behind the scenes to talk to individuals like you and I that are making impact with their influence and making change happen in the places around us. My goal is to encourage, to inspire, to motivate, give you everything that you need, the faith, the fuel, the ammunition, whatever it takes to get you on your journey as you push through and grind through behind the grind. Let's go. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Grind. It's your guy, Sherrod. I am your host here today. And today we decided to do something a little different. You know, we're uh, celebrating Father's Day this weekend. And so I decided on this particular podcast to have a podcast that was strictly focused on fathers. And, you know, with everything going on right now, you're hearing a, a lot of things that are going out. We decided to have the theme Black Fathers Matter. That's what we're going to talk. And, and I decided to get a, a group of guys that I'm very comfortable with, a very, a very good group of guys, very godly group of guys, and, and just those role model type of uh, guys that I have today. And we just decided we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, fatherhood and just talk about things that we normally would talk about in conversation. So with that being said, I want to introduce you to this group that I have brought together to have this conversation. Um, first off, I want to uh, bring you to a guy who uh, helped me find my wife, by the way, you know, all the way from the city of Detroit. He found himself through Battle Creek, all these different places throughout Michigan. But uh, we've connected. He's been my guy for quite a while. I want to introduce you to my guy, Torian Butler. So, Torian Butler, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Sharon, man. It's, uh, it's good to be here, having a good week, ending out this school year. So, yeah, doing good, man. It's good. It's good. I'm so glad you were able to join today on, on the show. Um, so with that being said, let's go back to a guy who I think he spent most of his life in Detroit. He, he used to be a track star. He said football player, <laughs> mid-major. <laughs> but he's a guy, you know, we call him the reverend, the counselor, the elder, all and the pastor, all those good things. I want to introduce you to my guy, Jamel Jefferson. How you doing, man? And I'm doing good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me to the show. You know, it's always a pleasure and an honor when a group of men can get together. And actually, you are one of the elect ones to be chosen a part of that panel. So I'm honored. And I want to say thank you for inviting me. And I appreciate it. Oh, most definitely, man. I couldn't do it without you, man. You have a lot of insight <laughs> on a lot of good things. And so we're going to be pulling on that today. And uh, without uh, with the guy who I can't forget, Get. You know, he's been behind the scenes a lot of times. A lot of times these videos that we've been doing um, do the behind the grind, whether it's through this YouTube or whether it's just videos that we post. There's a guy that helps it look popping. Right. And this is the guy who really is a guy that really makes things happen. Um, he is my guy. Um, now, he, he spent a lot of time in the Detroit area, but uh, from what I understand, he grew up in Sag Nasty or Saginaw. Sag Nasty is what we call it. But Saginaw, I want to introduce you to my guy. Reginald Day. How you doing, Reg? I am doing good. What's going on? What's going on? You got me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got on the show. We joke about this because there's oftentimes we're doing shows and um, the ones, the videos that really come out looking really sweet, uh, he's doing them. But I, I try to get him in and, and to, to, to jump in on the conversation. A lot of times he won't do it. But from this point on, we know that he could do the show. So thank you, man. Thank you for joining us today, man. I appreciate it. Most definitely. 
All right. With that being said, let's get to it. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, Jamel, you know, your profession. Uh, let's tell a little bit about what you do and, and your interactions um, with fathers and, and just manhood, all that good stuff. If you can tell us a little bit about what's going on with you, man. Uh, well, I'm a, a licensed professional counselor. Um, I had the unique ability of going to Ashland Theological Seminary where I'm able to blend the spiritual and the clinical together in my training process. And I spent some time actually working in child welfare before I started my clinical rotation. Um, so I, I've had the ability to work with families, to work with fathers. And one of my neat callings is actually two men. And a lot of my clients right now currently are men. You know, I have a vast variety. I have I have some Caucasian men and I have some black men, but I always had a heart for black men and being able to pass on my knowledge to them. One of the things I've been my 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 kind of catchphrase is that ignorance is passed down. Ignorance is generational. Right. So part of our goal is to make sure we're not passing down ignorance, but we have the ability to pass down knowledge. We have to make up the next generation to be able to do better than we have. So that's part of my job is now as a 43-year-old man, anybody that comes across my desk younger than me, the things that I'm asking now, I have the luxury to share with them early. So they don't have to wait to 40 to figure out stuff. They can ask the same questions at 20, 25, and then get a jump on it. So that's kind of what I do is that I spend time, you know, walking with people on a journey of healing. And that's kind of, you know, my whole counseling practice, Envision Change, Counseling and Consulting, the goal is can you see change? If you can see change, you can achieve it. And then you need somebody to come alongside with you on it. That's the purpose. I walk alongside of people on their journey of healing to help them become the best version of themselves. Yeah. You know, uh, with that, Jamel, you know, what got, you know, I know you didn't start off in this profession. What what, what caused the change? What caused (laughs) you to to switch over and specifically go into this this realm? That's interesting because my bachelor's degree is in financial planning, concentration, investments. I went to <laughs> wow. school because I said I was going to be an investment banker and yeah. make money. Yeah. Then, I, then all of a sudden, I was working in the business arena. I was just started school, and then I just got mad. One Monday, I was so irate because the things were going on in that in that company, yeah. and I said, "Lord, I just want my gifts and talents to be utilized, and I'm be where I'm supposed to be." That was Monday night in group in class. I got fired Tuesday. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And I couldn't work for two years till I finished my master's degree. Finished my really? master's degree on August the 28th. I had a job September 1st wow. doing child welfare. Wow. So, <laughs> Praise God, as God, they say. <laughs> yeah, it was all God ordained because awesome. if it was up to me, I was doing other things. Man, well, thank you for sharing that. And we might need to circle back to that, too, a little bit later. Uh, Torian, you know, I know you've got a range. I know you've always been passionate about education. And and I know you've worked with uh, a lot of areas and specifically with um, those in the younger age and younger younger males. males. Uh, tell a little bit about your profession, what you've gotten into and, and what you do today and what you're trying to do. Uh, well, currently, uh, I'm a math teacher, uh, school district in Detroit. Uh, seventh grade. What got me there was I spent some time. Yes, I've done a whole lot of things. Uh, (laughs) But what really got me there was um, I spent seven years working in juvenile detention centers. Yeah. And during that time sent, uh, you know, got to talk to a lot of different males, uh, a lot of different African-American males and sent some of them to prison, uh, unfortunately, and really saw a lot of lives change. And Mm -hmm. so 
the last place I was at, I was a supervisor and we, we were really trying to get uh, groups in there. We were really trying to get programs for the young men because we really saw an attack on a young man in the county that I worked for. Mm-hmm. And so that got shut down. You know, every, every time they come up, it get shut down. I just got really fed up and tired of it. And uh, it's like, Lord, I want to be, I want to be a part of the change. I don't want to be a part of the problem. I don't want to have to house youth. I want to be able to teach them uh, however I can. And right. so I uh, ended up uh, leaving that place when God said it was time to leave. And for all of my talents, all of the things I've done over the years, <laughs> for everything, the only thing I could get was a job as a paraprofessional with the current school district that I'm at. Okay. And uh, over the course of three three years, three, four years, learned a lot about the district. But yeah. in the end, God put me where he told me to be 17 years ago. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> amazing. That was, yeah, that was in the classroom. And uh, since I've been there, it's just been uh, miraculous because I'm, you know, the only black male teacher that many of these kids have ever seen right. in the inner city. So it's, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, Tori, it, I mean, you know, I commend you, man, because, you know, from the get go, you've always been drawn. You're just an educated kind of guy and you've been drawn to education. And, you know, you've had, like you said, some a few challenges along the way, but you never uh, gave up on that. What was your driving force to, to, to continue to say, hey, I, I, I belong in education. I belong in, in, in educating the next generation. Like what, what kept you going at that? Uh, being a product of my environment, mm-hmm. um, but rejecting where I was born, uh, you know, product of teenage parents. Mom was 16, dad was 15. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dad killed at 18. Yeah. Uh, he's a, you know, drug dealer. Right. And then as, you know, growing up, there was addiction that took place in my household. Uh, you know, whether uh, there was drug abuse, physical abuse, what have you. And mm. at every step of the way saying, I see what's wrong and I know what not to do. And if I can, because I had a lot of little brothers in the house and the oldest of eight. Oh, wow. And uh, could be more. Don't really know. But (laughs) the oldest of eight that I know of and um, shielding and covering them inside the household only as I became an adult, you know, went deeper until it became just something to do with anyone that I saw who was at at a disadvantage and really just trying to help bridge the gap to show them that, no, you can excel. You know, yeah. look at me, look at everything that I was able to get through and being able to, you know, I've had first fruit with a lot of the things that are experienced, a lot of the things that we're seeing with police and yeah. and everything and being able to get, you know, out of the hood for yeah. real yeah. and uh, do it on my own back, you know, with the grace of God, I'm still here. Man, that's good, man. And you said a couple of things. And again, I want to uh, get back to it. You know, you, you have experienced both, you know, on the side of, uh, of the correctional side as well as the educational side. And so we want to talk about that a lot today uh, on this program. But um, I want to get to uh, uh, Reggie here. Uh, Reggie, tell us a little bit about your, your involvement with fathers and, and, and so forth and what you're doing right now. So uh, I am involved in quite a bit of things, um, yeah. to be honest with you. You know, um, recently got some things going on with my, I guess you could say, healthcare career. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that that has been instrumental in a lot of ways of, of me teaching my own son about how to, um, number one, have multiple streams of income yeah. um, and not just rely on one source. Um, but, you know, I might go into all of that, uh, having my own business as well in media, um, 
so that's videography and photography and, and teaching my my children you know again yeah. the importance of having something to call your own um and and so again we could talk about that in a separate venue as well but um, one of the other things that i'm recently getting involved with uh, my wife and i my wife is a lactation consultant she is involved heavily in maternal infant health and one of the things mm-hmm. that we uh that i support her in um, in the past, like, I, I guess you could say six or seven years, is she runs a, a group um, called Meet Nurse Love, and it focuses on the family, and it centers around breastfeeding and just nurturing of, of, of children. Uh, in mm-hmm. that group, we do what we call, like, we do have breakout sessions where uh, I, I address the fathers, and we just kind of have dialogue, like, you know, what's important yeah. to the family? And so that's one of the big things right now that uh, I'm actually in talks with uh another couple and, uh, and owner of a facility about developing um, a fatherhood group. So we'll see, we'll see what comes mm-hmm. about with that. Uh, that's awesome. So this is perfect. I mean, it's a perfect conversation. We got a variety of guys here uh, that are dedicated, you know, whether it's in their profession or just in general. I mean, I heard a lot of talks here about uh, just in our personal lives and what we're doing for our children and all uh, all on this called our fathers, right? And so let's talk about that. You know, we're, we, you know, we're all fathers. Um, some of us started off young. I want to get to Jamel. You know, this is the father who uh, we jokingly say he's a father of, how do you put it? You, you probably can best describe it, Jamel. You, 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 that type of father. <laughs> <laughs> I've had kids in three different decades of my life. Uh-huh. And that was, was unique. I, like, I had a kid in my 20s. I have mm-hmm. a kid in my thirties and I have a newborn in my forties. Wow. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so you so, got to tell uh, us about that. I got a four month old. Um, <laughs> Hey, I wasn't planning it. That was all God. Cause I wasn't, I was thought I was done, you know, uh-huh. at 40, you know, I'm trying to be maybe Papa or somebody, but now right. it's, you know, I'm daddy. So <laughs> now it's, you know, a, a kid graduated from high school. It's like, hey, man, why your granddaddy here with you? My daddy. <laughs> oh, man. It's a new day, bro. It's a new day. That's how it go now. It go that way. But it tell is. us a little bit it about is. your experiences, man. Man, it's it's been Father. a roller coaster of experience that, you know, my oldest son, he's 19 now. And what mm-hmm. I've learned over the last 19 years of yeah. how to parent and how to be present as a man has changed drastically from my 19-year-old son now to my 11-year-old daughter. She was the catalyst mm. for changing me because, mm. you know what, I'm Something a dude, about the girls, man. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I was so, it was, it, this is how crazy it was. It was a word of prophecy that came and said I was having a girl. Uh-huh. I got mad. I said, no, <laughs> I ain't no punk. I ain't about to be out here and soft and no little girl out here. And real talk, right? Real talk. God purposely gave me that girl to tender me up. Wow. And that was the the changing factor of what she did to me. Cause she'll get around here and be like, Mommy, daddy's being rough with me. Tell her I'm not a I'm not a boy. I was like, see, that's what you're talking about here. But that's been the dynamic is that, you know, I can't say stuff because she'll, oh, my goodness, yeah. the world has just ended when I say something. I'm like, well, yeah. what did I do wrong? And my wife would be like, you can't say that to her like that. It's not about what you said. It's how you said. So that forced me to try to cur- the, the course correct some stuff. And I was like, man, this is some bull. Yeah. I can't say nothing. And then without people just, you know, falling all on the middle of the floor, like I didn't just kill. 
<laughs> but that that helped me grow as a man because now understanding that there was always a tag that go with me that Jamel was direct, straightforward, but yeah. his tack was bad. Yeah. So it's like I couldn't get it, but I was like, man, what? I'm telling you, I'm telling the ideas, <laughs> but it's like couldn't receive it. So now she helped me to learn how to connect and do things. So now yeah. she softened me up. Yeah. So now it's like, all right, part of this is all right. So what do I do next? You know, um, part of me still believes to this day, and it's something I got to work on, that I failed my oldest son mm. because he's not where I think he should be. Mm. And some of the things that's going on and it feel like I failed as a, as a father at some point. And I always say, Lord, God, if you give me another son, I'll do it right. I want to correct it. I want to be able to make amends for what I didn't do for my oldest son. So now I have he's my namesake. So he's my yeah. legacy. So it's something about him that now I have to take my 43 years of knowledge and pass it on to him. And especially my 19 years of parenting yeah. and do it the right way. So now me and my son are riding in the car listening to Tupac and, you know, Biggie and all the other rap groups. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me and him. So is here. that what you, is that how it was? That's early? how it was. We was riding in the back of my, in uh-huh. my car. And we 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 banging out like yeah me against the world but now <laughs> you know me and JJ we down here thank you Jesus got to get back right you know stay close to the Lord we we down here with a whole another circle of music <laughs> you know hey, son, whatever you do don't expose them to them Detroit Lions though you know you know what oh, I mean whoa 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 whoa, whoa. See, okay. stop, stop, stop you know what I'm okay I'm in the car right now. that's that you know I'm calling your bishop. That's offensive. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. Real talk, though. Real talk. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll come back fans. to the Lions, though. But I, I just <laughs> want to throw that out. I know you're a huge Lions fan and Torian as well. You're a huge uh, Lions fan. So I wanted yep. to just throw that, that quick shot in there. I'm always a fan, and I'm just waiting on them to win a Super Bowl. But whenever that happens, right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with Look, them. I got, I got a son but, uh, with my son. <laughs> so I can okay. say in my lifetime, because my son yeah. may see that, you know, his name. So it's in yeah. Jamel's lifetime. So yeah. I can't say about mine, but, you know, hopefully maybe, you know. <laughs> so what, your legacy might see. Nah. Right. You know, <laughs> next level, next level prophecy that the Lions will win the Super Bowl. So, um, Reggie, so with on that note, you know, you have a daughter as well who is a lot like you. Well, well she looks a lot like you. I don't know. You she looks a lot describe. like me. <laughs> <laughs> you can describe how it is, but you have the perfect blend of a boy and a girl, right? Oh, yeah. You know, so you, you have the best of both worlds in that aspect, right? And and so maybe you can tell us a little bit about fatherhood and how it's been for you. How's it, how's it going? Um, you know, <laughs> I didn't have the, I would say, um, you know, J- Jamel mentioned how having that girl softened him up. Well, my daughter is the, my oldest. Yeah. And so with her, I kind of just was like, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm jumping in here. And how old she, were you when, when you had her? So I was about 23. I think okay. it was 23 when I had her. Um, okay. And so for me, it was give her everything I got. Like, cause I don't know yeah. if I'm having another kid. So she got to be tough and know how to, to take care of herself in case I'm not around. Wow. So um, that didn't fare too well with my wife. Uh, <laughs> obviously. So you were kind of preparing her kind of like the two bottom biggie in a different kind of way. In a different kind of way. Like, you know, this world, this world ain't kind to, uh, you know, to, to, to black folks, especially black women. Right. And so, um, for me, it was more so like I need you to be okay. able to to um, 
really just know how to how to navigate and care for yourself in the midst of, of challenges that you don't know yet. Um, but, you know, my wife did happen to stalk me up a little bit and like, look, you need to be a little, little kinder to her. But mm-hmm. I, I'm actually happy. I mean, my daughter, she's tough. Like, she's not one to mess with. Um, and I, I like to think that that's because of some of the initial things I did early on. <laughs> but um, you got carved in early. Yeah, got carved in early. And, you know, and with my son, um, you know, he looks it, like it looks like it, your, your wife a little bit. So so let me. So the funny thing is, my daughter looks like me, but she acts uh, almost identical to my to my wife. And my son, uh-huh. he looks like my wife, but acts like me. So okay. um, and it, it, you know, it's <laughs> it's weird, but it's it's funny how we our, our dynamics. Um, yeah. But yeah, with him, um, with him, it's been a little different. You know, uh, I, I would say one of the most challenging things that I found was uh, recently, you know, you know, with everything going on in the world, right. You know, the whole yeah. black lives matter movement and all that, you know, he asked a question to my wife and I, and he was like, you know, why don't police like us, you know? Mm. Um, and, and with that, you know, it's, it's hard to, to answer that question um, right. in the context of what's going on, because it's not a comp, you know, it's, it's a complex answer, um, yeah. and, you know, and I had to really let him know it's not that police don't like us is that people who are police have certain biases, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those biases cause them to behave and act the way that they do. Um, you know, and, and, and raising, raising, raising two, two, two kids, you know, a male and a female, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a struggle. My daughter, you know, early on, my wife was really working with her. You know, she wants to perm. She wants a nice straight hair because mm-hmm. she's like, that's the ideal, beautiful, you know, black woman. My wife was like, no, you know, my wife is all natural hair, curly hair, all yeah. this, you know, and, and she has to, you know, really uh, convey to her, you know, what beauty is. And I have to kind of come behind her and affirm that because, yeah. you know, it, you know, so many times we, uh, I believe as black people, especially in the West, we have been taught rather directly or indirectly not to, right. to value our brilliance in, in, in our, our true brute, our true beauty. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, raising, raising two kids up in this environment, you know, that's one of the biggest things that we try to focus on and that I try to focus on, you know, be the best you can be, um, yeah. you know, going back to real quick, um, just answering the question about, um, or, you know, the, the statement about, you know, what do we do and how do I raise my, my, my son and my daughter? Mm-hmm. You know, I had to talk to my son really, really in depth, you know, as a 10 year old about yeah. living a life yeah. that doesn't give others a reason to fear you. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. <laughs> but we right. have to try to live in such a way as black, uh, you know, Americans. We have to live in such a way where we, we have to go above and beyond and behave in such a way where it does not strike fear into right. the lives of others because of what they perceive us to be based off our skin color or what they saw on TV and what's portrayed mm-hmm. in media and all of these crazy things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and I had to tell them that's not going to be the guarantee that uh, you are not going to face any type of issue. Right. As this mm-hmm. helps curve, you know, the potential that it could come. Right. right. The, the balance to that is that we have to be in positions of, of, of influence and power to actually see change and policies um, that are made different to support, you know, who we are as, as a people. Right. So, so Torian, um, you, you're a fairly new father. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience, man. What, what, what's impacting your experience as a father and, and how's that going for you? Uh, yes, became a father at 35, <laughs> the, the last of the bunch here. <laughs> was this um, planned or, or, or did, was this always sought out to 35 or is that just? No, it just happened that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I recall when my wife and I got married, you know, we had uh, all these great, you know, dreams and things. And, you know, this is my second marriage. And, um, you know, we went in and had all these thoughts. But then once we got in, it's like, wait a minute, hold on. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot more learning that we need to do individually. Right. I remember praying, you know, Lord, you know, if, if, if you if the if the son that you promised me is to, to come from me and my, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. then uh, allow us to learn what we need to learn before he gets here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really think that, that that's what took place. Uh, you know, it was even prophesied on a Sunday morning, the five years that my wife and I took uh, being over the children's ministry at our church was the five years that we needed to put in before we could be blessed with our child because of what he's, what he has to hold or what's going to happen to him in mm-hmm. his life. So, uh, wow the biggest experience that I had, um, in being a father, you know, one, you know, is real sleep is, uh, non-existent, you know, very, (laughs) very real with that. But, uh, I had the privilege of being at home with my son for three and a half months. Mm. And interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, so my wife was at home for the first three months and because of, you know, being in education, and, you know, the positions I had before, I'm a teacher now, but the positions I had before was yeah. nothing compared to the salary I had as a supervisor of a detention center. <laughs> and so, right. We, had, right, we had to make the, you know, the hard decision for yeah. after her leave was over for me to come off my job because we just can't pay for the kind of daycare that we want mm-hmm. with uh, both of us working. You know, it's just been going to work to pay for daycare. Yeah. And so... At, after three months, she went back to work, and after and at three months, uh, I quit my job, and I was at home with my son for three and a half months, and I learned uh, what women go through mm. being stay-at-home moms, because mm. when my wife was at home, you know, it was three months of him just, you know, laying there not doing anything, yeah. and I'm thinking, cool, that's hey, I can do <laughs> I'm, this. I'm set up for this. Yeah, I'm set up for this. <laughs> play some video you know, games. Play some video games. <laughs> connect with family, you know, and friends, and, you know, I can write the books that I'm planning on writing, yeah. you know, all these great things, and I'll be able to, you know, make some money to, you yeah. know, keep bringing money in, in, into the home, but uh, it was, uh, for lack of better words, hell at times. Um, okay. Uh, real talk. Real talk. Real talk. Okay. Real talk. And, I, you know, understand, you know, the, the psyche that women go through, and, I, you know, I have a, a psychology background, mm-hmm. and just really understanding what happens to a stay-at-home parent and really a stay-at-home mom or a single mom for that matter. And trying to juggle home life, trying to still be an adult. Uh, you know, my son, depending on me, you know, uh, most of the hours of the day, you know, granted, I'm not a, you know, I have my wife here, but she mm-hmm. was going through her own, you know, issues after, uh, you know, postpartum, yeah. uh, just being honest, because, you know, our age, yeah. and it just wasn't something that, you know, we were really ready for. And so after three and a half months of really trying to juggle everything and, you know, losing hair, losing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, barely eating, you know, having mood swings, just, it was a lot. And, you know, we had to make the decision. Uh, I prayed and I said, Lord, (laughs) um, and I, so I really, I really see what women go through and I really understand how some women can be driven to the point where they may hurt their child. Uh, just because, you know, lack of sleep or, you know, right. or the woman that may leave her child in the back seat because she's so tired, you know, she didn't even know she had the baby with her. 
and really being able to to, to see that because I, you know, going through a lot of those kind of things myself. Yeah. And I said, Lord, you know, if it be your will, you know, one, yeah. this is your child uh, before he's our child, and we're just trying to take yeah. care of what you've given us. That I can go back to work because right now this isn't sustainable. <laughs> you said, "Hold on, no one get back to work." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not sustainable. And yeah. uh, um, as it goes, I ended up not getting not only what I wanted, I got beyond what I wanted. Wow. Okay. To be able to go back to not only pay for his daycare, wow. but for us to also continue to take care of home. So. So, so let's go, let's talk a little bit, and this can be open to everybody. So, Torian, you know, the traditional, like a lot of us probably were raised up, you know, we may have thought, you know, the woman uh, is supposed, you know, after the baby is born, the woman's supposed to be in the house. And, you know, maybe depending on how we were raised, depending on the parents and, and different eras that were, we were raised upon, uh, that was the role, right? We're in a new day. So how did, you know, in your, you were just speaking just a moment ago, of spending three months at home with your child. Has things changed for the role of the father? Has it always been this way? You know, let's talk a little bit about that and 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 the impact that it could have on a, on our children if, if fathers are able to be home present with their. Well, I think that um, fathers should always be present with their children. Okay. You know, you look at the word fatherhood. Uh, you know, father's someone who fathers a child. You know, the child belongs to you, and then hood means you cover them. Right. And I know that myself, I didn't have a covering coming up. Mm-hmm. My father was killed when he was 18. I was only three years old. Wow. And I had a stepdad who didn't have a covering. You know, his dad, um, to my knowledge, was never in his life. He knows he knows his name and he may have some family, but he's never been in his life. Right. And so I grew up in an, um, not only in a household where it wasn't a strong male presence, but in a family where it wasn't a strong male presence, you know, where it was all about the women and um, my mom, you know, the, both parents worked, but mm. when it came to taking care of the house, that was my job mm. because they were so young, you know, at not, you know, I'm being left with babies at nine years old um, just because I was just that responsible or whatever. You know, of course, you become an adult and it's like, no, nah, that should have never happened. Right. The oldest. Right. I'm the oldest. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember taking care of two babies, you know, uh, at a time sometimes. And um Looking at the role of the family, uh, I have some brothers that I know that have dealt with uh, the court system because, Mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, the marriage didn't stay together. The relationships didn't stay together. And, you know, they're dealing with the court system. And I I see I saw it in my own life and I see it through the the folks who I know who are going through the legal battles that there is an attack on fathers that's beyond systematic. Mm -hmm. You know, we go back to the enemy. He's going to. He, he wants to tear that entire thing down. And I think that all fathers should uh, spend that time in their, their, their child's life. All fathers should be present. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, you know, my own personal life that, you know, when that happens, you're going to be scrutinized. Um, the wife isn't going to always agree with, you know, your methods or, mm-hmm. you know, the world around you isn't going to agree with your methods, but you know who your child is, you know, um, you know, me personally, it's like, you know, I pray for this child. You know, there's insights that I have beyond, you know, anyone else besides my wife and I. And right. knowing that there's going to be going to be people oppose that. Yeah. And being able to say, you know, I'm his father and I'm his covering. And these are the things that God has given me to do for him. And it's OK. Yeah, Reggie. So would you like to add to that? 
<laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, I agree with, with, with Tori in, in a lot of ways. You know, uh, I was actually thinking when he was talking, I was like, you know, as being a father, the one thing people, I, I think, underestimate and then as fathers sometimes i think we we take for granted is the fact that these are our gifts that god's given unto us yeah you know i remember when when our when our son specifically came along um you know i was in a place where you know we had just literally had our daughter and three oh, months right. three months later we found out you know that we were uh pregnant again with, with a wow. son i was like man lord why would you do this to me I'm, like, trying to like, I'm trying to get this one straight you know what i mean and you know i was so frustrated and and, and i tell myself this story all the time and he, he always he likes to hear it he said yeah. you know how did i get my name how come you didn't name me after yourself mm-hmm. and it was so frustrating because you know I was like, I don't want to name you after me. I want you to be better than me. You know what I mean? But I was like so frustrated. And one day I was sitting on on, on my food time and uh, the Lord was like, it was, it was a struggle. The struggle was <laughs> real. The early years. That was the early years. You know, I was, I was on the food time. I was sitting on a, our, our couch was the food time. And, uh, and he said, you know what? Your son is a gift. Don't. Wow ever underestimate the fact that he's a gift yeah and then you know through some other things he took me to uh the book um of samuel and, and he came across i believe it was samuel but he came across the uh the name nathaniel mm. and um and uh when i looked up nathaniel it meant the gift of god right and so that's how my son got his name but along with that he also gave me how my son's behavior was going to be his purpose his identity and all of that, like in that moment, it was like all compacted there. And it yeah. was like, whoa, like mm-hmm. it blew my mind. But as he gave me that, he also gave me how to raise him, how to to guide him and how to nurture him and how to affirm him. Now, have yeah. I been perfect? No, by not by, by any means, I have not been perfect. But right. I believe that God has given me wisdom over the years to, to, to assist him with that. And likewise with my daughter. I mean, like, you know, it was funny because what God has showed me and my wife as parents Mm-hmm. got affirmed through others who did not know us by the words of prophecy. And so that's how it even like solidified me that God will deposit into, into, into parents what it is that they need for their, uh, to do for their children. So that's, a, that's awesome. That's awesome. What about you, Jamel? Any, any thoughts on um, the, the point of, I guess, the balance of a father. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I've learned either that being raised by a single parent as a mother. My mother mm-hmm. raised me. Okay. Uh, my mother and grandmother. Uh, my dad was kind of, he was off kind of doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. He had another family and um, a different situation. So they didn't work out. So uh, my mom raised me. Well, it was interesting. My mother is 16 years older than me. So uh, my mother, her birthday. Real talk. Let me just say this, man. I used uh, to work with your mom in the bank and I, I had no idea she had a child <laughs> my age. And, and that's what all that comes because my mom had just turned, so I want to say 17, I think. Um, her birthday is May 11th, mine is May 24th. So we went to the prom together. Mm-hmm. She tells me that all the time. Mm-hmm. But having that dynamic wow. of having the female aspect of everything in my life made it very challenging for me as an adult. What, is a, what does a man do? Because I had a lot of women model what women do. But, you know, hey, I had an uncle who's eight years older than me-ish. And I had a stepbrother who was four years older than me. I kind of, all right, looking at them. But then, you know, I had a grandfather who 
participated a lot, but it, it was it was like this whole missing piece of manhood. Mm-hmm. But you know, well, we talk about fathers being important because there's something that fathers have to give to their kids. Um, there's another level of what side of this, what does it look like? Um, what are you modeling? What are you depositing? So now it's, hey, should fathers stay at home? Well, traditionally says no, because a man's role is to go out and make the donuts. And a woman's high role is the, traditionally speaking, is that you, you know, you take care of the kids in the household. Right. But what happens when that may shift or it's out of a, a different way? Society may say one thing, but I teach when I work with my families and couples, what system works for you? If the wife has the better paying job, then she making six figures. Why would she quit? And you making 50,000. Right. <laughs> Just so you can be quote unquote the man. No, that's, that's foolishness. A, that's <laughs> interesting. That's very interesting. So you you find out what balance it is, but it, it's it's okay because there is such a love that a man can give. But society mm-hmm. said we don't do that. We don't show emotions. We don't show feelings. We don't connect. You know, our thing is just rough, rugged, and physical. Anything outside mm-hmm. of that is taboo. But right. there's a compassionate side that men all have that we have to show. You know, we we want to, women always tell us that we want you to be emotionally connected to us. And we always <laughs> want to say, typically, we want you to be physically connected to us. <laughs> but the dynamic is, if you learn how to emotionally connect, she will physically connect and vice versa. So now we have to learn, what are these yeah. things called emotions? I'm a, my wife calls me a nerd, but I'm not. I'm a jock. I'm an athlete. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. But all the sci-fi movies I watch, <laughs> you used to be right <laughs> now. I, in my mind, I still am. You know, on the on the sticks, I am. But you know, physically, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> the body won't let it happen. So, but um, every phys, every movie, kind of sci-fi movie I watch about AI, artificial intelligence, their whole goal for artificial intelligence is to feel, to be human, is to experience mm-hmm. emotions. And I've started watching, like, our whole goal as human beings and men is to not have emotions. And Mm -hmm. I'm confused. So if you got these robots wanting to be human and learn how to feel, that's the only thing that stops them. And then we got these human beings who want to be artificial intelligence and don't want to feel kind of stuck. Because the very thing that makes us humans, we want to deny as men, and that's feelings. And that's connection. In order to connect, you got to feel. So we have to do this nurturing thing and we have to maybe experience some other roles or other experiences and kind of break that old traditional cycle and say, you know what, what is it that I can do? What is it that I have to deposit? What is it that I have to share? Because once my kid gets part A and part B, it Mm -hmm. sets them up to be successful. Yeah. All right. So what I was saying was, you know, I know we were hearing a little bit about, you know, the impacts our fathers in some shape or form may have had in our life, um, you know, mm-hmm. depending on their presence or their, their, you know, their, their non-presence. Um, in my case, you know, I was raised with my father. And so there's some, you know, some things that I learned, um, but it's key, you know, um, because he worked a lot, there were many times that we, when we talk about presence, you know what I mean? There were times that he mm-hmm. may not have been as present because of work, you know, and he came from that old school, you know, I'll go out here and work and provide. And I'm thankful for all the things that he's done and all the things that he laid, but he wasn't necessarily that, that kind of father that, you know, as Torium described, you know, that would give time and, 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 and just, you know, spend that type of time with me per se. 
but he still, you know, was present in his way, in his shape or form. So my question to you guys, you know, I know we all have had different experiences. And of course, we know that impacts how we are fathers today um, based upon those experiences. Do you think that we may in some shape or form um, overcompensate our fatherhood at times? You know, I don't know if that's the right word I want to use, but you know what I mean? Like, are we over the top at times because of the absence um, you know, or if we were overfathered, maybe we may be a little lax at times. What, what, what do you guys think? Well, well I, I can go with that one. Oh, well, go ahead. <laughs> B before B before J. <laughs> I think that uh, um, that's just normal human human uh, uh, human. I don't know what to call it. Human behavior. It's just normal yeah. human behavior. To if um, one, if you felt like. Uh, you didn't have that and you tried to mm-hmm. put that stamp down, then uh, you'll be a little bit more, more stern. Um, I know for myself, uh, like I said, with the, 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 the psychology background, uh, being the authoritarian parent, being the parent that, you know, I'm not your friend. I can't be your friend. I can be friendly, right. but I can't be your friend. And once <laughs> you become an adult, then we can have, you know, some type of bonding friendship, but, Right now, it's an incubation stage. And the, the one thing that I have to make sure that I do, uh, just because, and you know, people ask me all the time, you know, are you in the military? And it's like, no, I wasn't in the military. You know, this is even before I had the career in uh, criminal justice. Yeah, you do seem but, like it, Tori. <laughs> uh, but I believe in excellence. And uh, even before I met our bishop, I believe in excellence. Yeah. And i I modeled my my life after that. Just told my wife uh, last night, you know, yeah, I was I was the the cat in the hood who ironed his uh, track pants because I just I, <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I was not. I'm not going to fit in the box that you want me to fit and in. Play tennis <laughs> and play tennis. Yes, I played tennis all four years of high school. The coached after high school, but um, oh, and I played football too. That in was Detroit, mind you, in, in Detroit. Detroit. I taught black kids in Detroit how to play tennis. Um, but when I, when I think about my son and what I want to pass on, because I wish somebody would taught me how to play tennis. I can still (laughs) teach you brother. (laughs) Uh, but teaching my son, there are some times that my wife may look at me and say, you know, you were a little too, uh, stern with him. You know, he'll be two in August. But as I see his, as I, as I continue to see his, uh, his abilities and things explode and show, you know, she may hear me you know, raise my voice at him. And I, you know, I have to follow it back to explain, no, when I tell him to stop, you know, that's a, it's a basic word. And I want him to understand what stop means before we can go into anything else. He just needs to understand that if daddy says stop, if anybody says stop, it means stop. And, you know, like, yeah, if I'm sleepy, you know, whatnot, maybe uh, I might yell too loud. It's like, oh, son, I'm sorry for yelling at you like that. I scared you a little bit. But um, right. What I learned in raising my, because I, I raised my siblings and still raising some of my siblings. What I learned in that is, you know, yes, I may have to consequence them. I may, as their older brother or big brother, three years older, seven years older, 14 years older, I may have to spank them. I may have to give them a consequence. I may have to put them on punishment. But regardless of what takes place, what I understand as a male, as what I understand as a covering, is that I must bring it back to love. If I don't end in love, I just did a disservice for whatever I did to try to correct them. Because I can't teach them anything if they're not seeing the love side of me teaching them what 
you know, why they received that correction, what that correction could lead into outside of life, you know, outside of whatever our setting is of what they've done. Awesome. All right. Well, we're about to get ready, you know, pretty much get ready to round this up. But before we get out of here, I want to kind of talk about what we can do, you know, to help those other fathers out there. So um, what advice do you guys have for, um, Black fathers in particular, because, you know, we're talking about, you know, in this time and there's a stigma in some shape or form uh, at times about black fathers. What advice can you guys through your experiences, through your ups and downs? What can you share to others um, as other young fathers, other black fathers uh, on some things that you may wish you learned, could have learned or things that you've learned along the way that you could share now? Uh, my One of my tools is start trying to do it by yourself. Okay. Um, the biggest thing in this is that you are not alone. Um, I know the perception of we are Atlas and we have the world on our shoulders. However, being that you want to be Atlas, let somebody else carry that world with you Mm. and that will help it just because you can don't mean you should. So it's a lot easier to get help to carry something than to throw your back out trying to prove that you're strong. And that's one of the biggest things I say, get help and don't be afraid to talk because when we open our mouth and share our stories, Mm -hmm. there will be coming an understanding of what men do and how they are. Um, There are a lot of self-help books out there that are written by women Mm -hmm. telling you how, how a man is. And mm. what to do, a man operates. And I'm still confused on how do you do that? <laughs> um, you know, until you can explain to me puberty from a male perspective yeah. and, I, and you go through it, you can't tell me how to be a man. Um, and I think that's it. Being willing to share our stories, to be willing to open up and talk about what's going on, what your perspective is. It doesn't make you weak, but it allows people to understand. This. And I think that's the piece. Talk talk, talk, share, get help. It's okay. Partner with us. And then I think that will strengthen our bond in the relationships. Cause I know a lot of the movies that I watch, you see the, you see a guy having a sidekick or he has a friend, yeah. a confidant yeah. and, and it, that's what we need. So we can yeah. be out here long ranger in it. Well, even long ranger had Tonto. So, um, <laughs> and that's silver true. the horse. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, you know, if the Justice League, a whole bunch of superheroes get together to form a team, what chance do I got? You know, superheroes need help. I'm confused. But <laughs> we out here want to solo it. Hey, get a team around you. Get a community and and learn. And, and you know, second, don't be the smartest man in the room. Because if you're the mm. smartest person in the room, you don't grow. You know, mm. I always tell you, you keep somebody above you that's pouring into you. And you keep mm-hmm. somebody below you that you're pouring into and that keeps you honest. That's good. You know, good. so as you fill up, you pour out and it's still room for anything. So that becomes the tip. Find somebody that you can lean on that's going where you want to go and then find somebody that you can pour into and share what you have learned along the way so we don't have to keep all hitting the same potholes. That's good. Man, thank you, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. I think I would add add to it and and say that along with that, I think that, you know, um, we have to understand as fathers that our role is important. I think a lot of times we may underestimate that 
at least I, I did early on. Yeah. Um, I used to think that fatherhood was one of the most uh, underrated positions on the team. It's <laughs> like, oh, how do you want to do that? <laughs> you know, Mother's Day, you'd be like, oh, look at all that. Then Father's Day come along, like, you know, another pair of socks. Here we go. You know what I'm saying? Or that tie, right? <laughs> yeah, that tie. Socks are a tie. But, um, but you know, uh, I, 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 I come to understand that as a father, you know, I, I was just uh, – visiting my dad the other day for his birthday yeah. and my brother and I, my brother and I went to visit him and we were laughing because, you know, as, as the fathers now, you know, we understood it changes. It, it changes. You know, it's like, yeah. man, a lot of the things that he said, we didn't really understand. We didn't appreciate, <laughs> but as we became fathers and grew into adults, all those words became gold. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as fathers understand that right now, you may not be reaping all the glory and all the things that you want, but when you understand your role, it's to, it's to see that you're, you're shaping the future. You know, you're, you're, you're molding the future. And the thing that's going to be the, the, the crown, if you will, is, is as your children excel. And as children everywhere excel, because I believe that we have to be fathers not only for our own seed, but a lot of times yeah. we have to be fathers for those who, as Torian put it, maybe siblings or cousins or, or yeah. friends, nieces or nephews. Or, you know what I'm that's saying? Good. We have to help father, you know, the community because yep. that's one of the re- what reasons why I I believe that as a community, uh, it, it, we've seen lack, we've seen neglect, we've seen all these things kind of go astray because black, strong black male presence has yeah. declined. Yeah, and that's huge that you say that we have to extend. A lot of us grew up in some areas, and you know where our fathers weren't around. If there was that one mentor, that coach, whatever it is, that it does have that impact. It it, it, it draws out, or it could be your friend's father. You know, you might go over to their house and. And your friend's father shares something, but we do need to do that and know our roles in that capacity as well. So, Torin, what you what what, what say ye? <laughs> uh, just listening to these guys and uh, just a couple things. The biggest thing that I learned, uh, I knew it before being a father because I've been a part of one, but now that I am a father, is uh, it really takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where my parents, because they were so young, because they were caught in so many things, and because I was caused to be an adult or uh, have adult, an adult role at a very young age that uh, the village raised me. And, mm-hmm. you know, whomever, whatever God needed to pour into me, it was a village around me. It was always a village around touring of some sort. Sometimes it wasn't even the right. village that my parents approved of or even knew about that impacted who I am. And as I'm a father, uh, well, when I be, you know, when I get, started getting close to, to, to uh, the day my son came, it's like, you know, well, will he, because I didn't have a father like that, like, will he look at me? You know, will he look up to me? Will there be mm-hmm. some other male that, you know, he may be, you know, may gravitate more to mm-hmm. because I didn't have that. I didn't have that frame of reference. And so, you know, as mm-hmm. he gets older, um, and he's a daddy's boy. Uh, God gave me a daddy's boy. So it's like the one thing I was concerned about, he's a daddy's boy. He prefers dad very often over mom. But <laughs> what what I see in that and what I see in the village and what I see in my own validation of fatherhood, my wife looks at me at times and it's like, wow, if I didn't have you, I don't know what I would be able to do with a lot of the stuff that he does that I just understand that there's a, you know, a heavenly wisdom about, or just, you know, male wisdom about and just how important fathers are. Some of the young men that I speak to, you know, that go through with their, the mother, their child. And it's like, Hey, doesn't matter what she may do. Doesn't matter what she may say, whether they're together or not, this child needs you no matter what. This is your first and your last ministry. And so, 
that's the approach that I've taken. I understand it's a village and uh, you guys here are a part of that village. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, man, I, you know, with the time, and we could do a second part to this and continue the conversation on, but just for the respect of time, I'm, I'm going to kind of end it here. But what I did want to share with each one of you guys, I, I, I see you on, on my screen, and I just wanted to look each one of you in the face and tell you guys, you guys, I have watched you and observed you guys, and I want to let you guys know uh, that you are some dynamic fathers. You're some awesome fathers, man. And I, you know, see the way you guys uh, do your thing and and how you support your family and how you support your children. And I just want to let you know that you guys matter. You know, sometimes again, we have to affirm each other, right? And so I just want to take the time and tell you what I've observed. And I want to let you guys know that you guys matter. And I know we can do that a lot more from, um, you know, I look around my circle per se and the guys that I, I'm somewhat shape or form around. And I've seen dynamic fathers. And so, you know, sometimes the narrative is played that we're not there, we're not present, we're not doing the things that we should do. And it may be the case somewhere, and I'm not saying that it isn't, but I'm just thankful to be able to say that uh, some, there's some strong brothers that I'm associated with um, that are doing some great things. And I just want to let you guys know that you matter. And and we are out here doing some great things. And happy Father's Day, by the way, too. Happy Father's Day to each, each one of you, too, uh, as we air this uh, podcast. We want to let everybody know that happy Father's Day to them as well, but to you guys as well here on this um go uh, on this uh, call here today. So enjoyed the conversation. Um, like I said, today was a little more father oriented and we just wanted to give perspectives. As you can see, uh, the, the variety, the perspective, the background, the experience, it's all there. And we're able to share that today. And so, you know, we'll get back on again. And next time we maybe we can talk about video games, sports and all that fun stuff. But today we wanted to, 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 to tone it down and specifically talk about fathers, especially in this time with everything going on. And sometimes we're looking for other people to validate us, but we can look each other in the face today and we can affirm each other because we know what we're doing out here, out here on the front line. And I just wanted to take this time to, to honor that. So I know I'm rambling, but. Anywho, this is my show, Behind the Grind, right? <laughs> so with that being said, um, I'm going to go ahead and end it. I hope you enjoyed this program. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Um, let you know that there's some resources. My guy, Jamel, here is a counselor. So Jamel, tell them how, if, if anybody wanted to, to start talking, how can they connect with you? Um, if you want to reach out, it's at Envision Change Counseling and Consulting. Um, my website is um, envisionchangecc.com, or you can uh, drop us a call at 586-251-0408, and someone will be greatly appreciative to help you move forward. So that's always a great way. Hit us up. That's awesome. And then if you have some 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 media needs or even the, the fatherhood as well, um, Reggie, how can people connect with you, get in contact with you and what you and your um, wife are doing as well? One of the best ways to uh, reach out to us is via email, and uh, you can reach me at Reginald at GinaGaleMediaSolutions.com. Of course, being the media guy, all that will be on the screen, but um, you can also <laughs> check us out on our, our website, Gina Gale Media Solutions, um, and then my wife's uh, website is Feed the Babes, and on there, she has a whole slew of uh, various things that uh, help for maternal and infant and family care. Yeah, awesome. And Dr. Torian, man, how can people connect with you if they want to? Uh, how can they get a hold of you? 
to chop it up or talk about anything? Uh, I am a licensed minister and uh, I have several webs, you know, several, I shouldn't say websites, but uh, emails. And right now it's just my personal, um, you know, those things will grow as I'm sitting here listening to my brothers. There's, there's a lot of things that needs to grow, but uh, just torianbuller at gmail.com. It's T-O-R-R-Y-I-N-B-U-T-L-E-R at gmail.com. So, or you can hit, you can call me as well. 313-409-8426. Yeah, hit That's me there awesome. as well. That's a minister for you right there. <laughs> <laughs> so man, guys, uh, it's been great. Uh, so to all of you who are listening, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. But until the next time, you know about it. It's behind the grind. We out. <laughs>